Who's ready to go stargazing? In podcast form, at least. I set up a telescope the other night and recorded it. Check this. Welcome to the show, ladies and gents. We're recording this in the field. It is a beautiful spring evening here in Virginia, and the peepers are peeping, and the toads are trilling, and the wind is rustling the wind chimes, and, well, we got some clouds in the sky, but, oh, just a beautiful temperature, and before the moon comes up, it's a couple days past fall, so it's still below the horizon, we're going to check out a couple of sites, and I wanted to bring you to the telescope and explain what I'm seeing and walk you through it, and hopefully it will be uh, fun and even more exciting than if you were actually here, because it just looks like a little smudge. It takes a trained eye and a slightly eccentric personality to do this. So uh, I'll translate for you. So first, let's take a look. we got the 12 and a half inch reflector out here. It looks sort of like a big snowman, actually. And I got the eyepiece lined up. Let's see what we got here. We're aiming at Leo the Lion. Well, past Leo the Lion, way past. And there we go. Describing what I'm seeing, there's a couple of stars in the field, just a little sprinkling, and then it looks like two ghosts of cotton balls. And these are entire galaxies, M66 and M65. They're called M because uh, this dude, Charles Messier, he was a an avid comet hunter back in, hmm, you're not going to catch me in a lie, I believe it was the 1800s. And he would sweep the sky and look for things that weren't stars. And if you saw a little fuzzy blob and it moved, it would be a comet. But there's a lot of fuzzy-looking things in the sky, galaxies, star clusters, nebulae. And he decided to make a catalog of these things so he wouldn't be confused by them. So he made this catalog, and it turns out that they are some of the most amazing things for backyard astronomers to look at. So these are the 65th and 66th entries into his catalog. And as I look at these, these little smudges of light, Sort of looks like cotton balls that you've pulled apart a little bit. Very faint. And if you look out of the corner of your eye, you can see them a little bit more. Just little gray blurs. Entire galaxies, billions and billions of stars scintillating through space. And these photons that are hitting my eye right now, that you're hearing right now, started off 35 million years ago. To put that in context, 35 million years ago, this is what I, one of the many things I love about astronomy is when you're dealing with great distance, you're also dealing with great time. 35 million years ago is when a giant rock crashed into the eastern seaboard and gave us the Chesapeake Bay. So if you're eating food, if you're eating popcorn while you listen to this, sprinkle a little Old Bay seasoning on it for me. Huh. If you're eating a hamburger, you're going to like the next site. Just uh, making a nice triangle with these two brighter galaxies is a very, very faint hint of an idea. And I look at it a little bit more, use the corner of my eye. It's, it's a little bit bigger, a lot fainter. They call it King Hamlet's Ghost or the Hamburger Galaxy. And the reason it looks like a hamburger galaxy is ever, ever so faintly against the blackness of space. You see some a little bit darker, and it bisects this cotton ball glow. Almost looks like a hamburger patty there. And what that is, that is a dust lane. Dust lane is a, it's a term for, well, if you look up at the Milky Way at night, you'll see a, a band running down it. Galaxies have a lot of junk floating around them, a lot of space dust. So much space dust, it blocks out some of the starlight. And that's what I'm seeing here as I look at this trio in Leo. 35 
million light years away. Okay, one of my favorite sights in the springtime sky, M81 and M82, is his uh, Charles Messier's 81st and 82nd entry, respectively. And uh, sometimes, sometimes one of them is called the Cigar Galaxy because it kind of looks like a big old space cigar. So we have in a beautiful star field, nice, faint, and subtle. One of the reasons that the springtime sky is nice and subtle is we're looking out of the plane of our own galaxy. So we're looking into deep space. If you picture the, our Milky Way galaxy as a pinwheel, if it's during the summer or the winter, we're sort of looking across the pinwheel. That's what's overhead. And in the spring and fall, we're looking perpendicular to it. So we can see a lot farther. There's not obscuring stars and gas and dust in our way. So I'm looking out 12 million light years at this beautiful sight. And this this duo of galaxies has been locked in gravitational combat for a billion years, and they're affecting each other. And and uh, M81 is on the uh, the left here, and it's this nice, smooth little blur. It's gradually brighter in the middle, and then it has a very, very faint, misty halo around it. And then off to the right, I have M82, and it looks like a cigar. And if the sky's a little bit darker, it's a little bright tonight, atmospheric conditions and all. Um, it's, it's shimmering and you can occasionally glimpse a dark band bisecting it. And the first one, M81, hit it pretty hard and it's got all this, it's glowing with, with x-rays and, 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 or emitting all these x-rays and it's got the really violent star forming regions and it looks pretty serene now, but through long exposure photographs, you can see all sort of red light coming from it. And it's a, it's a pretty interesting thing to look at. And as I'm looking at these photons... They started out in the Miocene period, and this is when crows became a thing, and most animals became fully modern about 12 million years ago, according to the internet, so you know it's true. Oh, man, just a beautiful sight floating out there ah, in the northern springtime sky. We're going a little closer to home <laughs> in our own galaxy. Local, locally grown right here, only 860 light years away. And remember, a light year is 5.88 trillion miles. <laughs> we have 5.88 trillion miles. A trillion. So here's what I had to figure out. I said, well, how much is a trillion? Because I'm throwing these numbers around, right? So if you take take a, uh, a thousand, let's say you're the experiment I did was I said, okay, well, what if I had an adding machine? I think this is around the time I was doing my taxes a couple years ago, doing my taxes again. Oh, anyway, that's another story. And if you had an adding machine and you hit one, 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 and the tape would, and it spit out a series of numbers. And let's say you had a really small font on it. So you could get, you could get a thousand numbers in one, in two inches of ticker tape. A million would be down the block. A billion would be from D.C. to Connecticut. And a trillion would be from the Earth to the moon and halfway back. And one light year is almost six trillion. And this is 860 light years away. And that's close by. Crazy, man. And boy, it is beautiful. Going up to the scope. We have a nice blue-white star. This is in the constellation Orion. It's the beta star. It's not even the brightest star in the constellation, but that's because it's pretty far away. It's nice and blue-white as I look at it through this eyepiece here. And if 
we went up close to it, we would see that it could be up to over 300,000 times brighter than the sun. And it's part of a four-star system. So it's a multiple-star system. These stars are orbiting around each other. And I can actually see two. So I can see the main star, the primary star. And then just off the coast of it, I see a little tiny pinprick of another star. It's much fainter. And the neat thing, I'm using a reflector telescope. So the light comes in and it passes through the telescope, hits a primary mirror at the bottom, and then bounces back up to a secondary mirror, which directs the light into my eyes. So the thing that holds up the secondary mirror is called the spider. So it's got four supports. So it makes the star have that, that cool spike pattern that you see in the Hubble pictures. So it looks all professional. And it is just beautiful. So this light started out when the Byzantine Empire was being petty and there was something about a wedding and people weren't sure of the bride's lineage. You know, some things never change, right? <gasps> but you know what I'm glad never changes? The peepers and the wind. That stuff I can appreciate right there. Beautiful blue-white star, a blue supergiant, if I'm not mistaken there. And this is one that you can see without a telescope. If you go out, you'll see the brightest star in the sky, and the brightest star of the season is Sirius, the dog star. It's just to the right of Sirius. If I hold my fist out at arm's length, it's one, two and a half fist length, fist widths to the right. Now, before I go in, I like to just look at the stars without a telescope. Just look up and see what I see. To the east, the moon hasn't risen yet, but you know, the sky is starting to look a little bit light. I have the Big Dipper to the northeast, Leo the Lion, prowling up above the mountain there. Beautiful wind, such a nice temperature. The Pleiades over the pecan tree in Taurus. Orion starting to go towards, starting to march towards the western horizon. His faithful hunting dog following him. Sirius the dog star blazing bright across eight light years, twinkling at me. I've heard that when Sirius is first coming up, that's uh, the police get a lot of UFO calls because it's so, it scintillates so much with the turbulence in the atmosphere. And just to look out through the vastness and to think that we came from this and we're part of this. What a nice reminder that is. Hope you enjoyed the sky tour. We'll see you next time. Clear skies. Thank you.